Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I want to speak to you today on the subject of the sanctity of life. I think it's important. Um, It's important for a lot of reasons, and we need to understand, first of all, that... um, as strongly as probably as I hope, at least, that each one of us felt last week by our Supreme Court's decision, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that there are probably just as many or more people who are on exactly the opposite side of this subject from us who don't see things the way that we see them. And, and, and this is a ch- subject, by the way, that seems so very clear to me. I, I just... I don't understand the other side, but the other side is saying the same thing about us. They don't understand us while we have, while we take the position that we, that we take. And, you know, when you speak about the sanctity of life, the sanctity of life refers to the idea that human life is sacred and holy and precious. That's what the sanctity of life means Human life is sacred and holy and precious. By the way, I think that all life is is precious, not just human life, but humans are different in creation, and we'll get to that today. By the way, that's a truth that I think we have lost or forgotten in our society today. It's obvious by what we've seen in the world around us that that's a truth that much of our society doesn't believe. Have your Bibles. Go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 139. And I know these verses were shared last week, but I do want to take some time and sort of dig around in them this week. While I'm doing that, I want to share with you some facts. And these, by the way, the, the numbers on these run several years behind, but as of 2018, um, in the United States alone, we were performing about 800,000 legal abortions per year. 800,000 per year, that's 2,100 per day, 9,100 per hour, one and a half every minute in the United States. That doesn't include the morning after pill, by the way, which at least since 2016 has been prescribed about one and a half million times a year in the United States. Our tax funding for Planned Parenthood has been for the last several years at an average of about $550 million. That's your money and my money that's being spent. Uh, Planned Parenthood in 2018 did about 350,000 abortions in Planned Parenthood. That's 900 a day, 38 every hour of every day, just in Planned Parenthood alone. In 2018, 23% of all pregnancies in the United States ended in abortion. 23%. And by the way, I've checked and double-checked these numbers. I said, there's no way these numbers can be right. They're right. Trust me, they're right. In New York City in 2018, more babies were aborted than were born. 
disproportionate amount of those, by the way, are from African-American communities. More abortions than live births in New York City. And by the way, all of this has been done at an average cost of $573 per abortion. $573. You can't go to the dentist and get a tooth filled hardly for $573, but you can have an abortion for that. Abortion in 2018 was the leading cause of death in the United States. 850,000 babies were aborted, again, not counting the morning after pill. Um, to put it in perspective, about 640,000 people died of heart disease and about 600,000 died of cancer in 2018. And 850,000 babies were aborted. And since 1973, and we heard this number a couple times last week, since 1973, 60 million legal abortions have been performed in the United States. 60 million. And again, I know I heard it at least twice last week. There's a problem with saying something like that, 60 million. The problem is this. The problem is that our brains can't wrap themselves around a number like 60 million. It's impossible to do that. Had an opportunity to speak for about five minutes at an at a open door a banquet some years ago, and I used this illustration to talk about this number, and I want to share it with you today. We, we can't wrap our minds around a number like 60 million, but I want to give you a number that you can wrap your mind around, 50. Can everybody see what I'm holding in my hand? I have a roll of pennies. Gary can't see. Gary, I'm sorry. Gary, I have a roll of pennies in my hand, and I'm going to let you feel of them in just a minute. There are 50 pennies in a roll of pennies, and this roll of pennies is about three inches long. It takes four rolls of pennies side by side to make one foot. Does anybody know how many feet are in a mile? Somebody knows. Well, I'm going to tell you, 5,280 feet per mile. So if you take 5,280 feet per mile and you multiply it by four rolls of penny for, per feet, this is what you end up with. Trust my math. You're just going to have to trust me. 21,120 rolls of pennies per mile. Everybody get that? 21,120 rolls of pennies per mile. And I want to pass these around. I want my pennies back, by the way, but feel free to pass them around because I want you to feel of these. There's a reason why I want to do this. Dave, you look trustworthy. There's a roll for you. You can pass them back. Gary, I know you can't see them, but you can feel them. Here's a roll for you. Don't keep those, okay? Jennifer, here's a roll for you. Pass those back. 50 pennies in a roll. And again, I want my pennies back to end. Okay? 21,120 of those pennies stacked end to end would equal one mile. 60 million pennies, by the way, would be 1.2 million rolls. And again, I thought, of, I said, surely this can't be right. 1.2 million rolls would be 60 million. And so here's what I want to say to you. 
this number of 60 million that we can't fathom in our brain, here's the reason I'm passing those pennies and you're touching them today. If we went outside and we stacked 60 million pennies side by side, it would be 57 miles of pennies. If we stack those on top of one another, they would almost reach into space. Space is 62 miles above the earth, 57 miles. We could stack, we could lay those pennies side by side and they would go from here to Abilene. And you wonder why we can't wrap our minds around a number like 60 million. Mount Everest is approximately 30,000 feet tall. Let's say it's six miles tall, it nearly is. If we stack those pennies in the, on top of one another, they'd be 10 times higher than Mount Everest, 60 million. AT&T Stadium, are there any Cowboys fans here? Are there any that would admit it? One. I'm not going to point you out, Sister Beth. One. AT&T Stadium, Sister Beth, if you don't know, holds about 80,000 people. You could fill it 750 times with 60 million people. 700. 60 million of those pennies, and if you busted them open, there's one thing that you'd find in common about those pennies. Well, there's two things, but, but the first thing is this, is that every one of those pennies has a face on them, don't they? Whose face is on a penny? Abraham Lincoln's face is on all 60 million of those pennies that we're talking about. But here's what I want you to see with this number, 57 miles worth of pennies. It would be 10 times higher than Mount Everest. It would be 750 times the, the capacity of AT&T Stadium. All of those 60 million had a face as well. And it wasn't the face of a long dead president. It was the face of a precious baby that was aborted in what should be, it was killed in what should be the safest place in our country. 60 million babies. I hope, by the way, that, that we're on the road to changing that. I really do. The sanctity of life, it's important. Uh, Psalm 139, let me share this with you. I need to get moving if we're going to finish today. Verse 13. It says, for you, have, you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O Yahweh, how great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand, he says. What beautiful words that have been penned for us. And, and Considering the sanctity of life, there are several things I want to share with you this morning, but the first one is this, and probably the most important. I want to share with you the fact that all life proceeds from Yahweh. All life proceeds from, the, from Yahweh. Most books start off sort of slow, and they kind of build to some 
climax that the author has in mind for the reader, but not the Bible. I'm glad that the Bible starts off a little different. It starts off with a bang, doesn't it? In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, it says. In the beginning, before there was anything, Elohim created, Yahweh created out of nothing all that there is. It's kind of hard to wrap our brains around that fact, but I think that these are quite possibly the ten most important words that have ever been written or ever been read in, in mankind's history because they talk about many things. They talk about Yahweh's sovereignty and his power, and as we go and read through the next two chapters of the book of Genesis, they talk about Yahweh's creation and his diversity of creation and all of the things that he made. He made the stars and the planets and he made the, the, the sea and he made the land and he made all of the plants of all different kinds and all the animals of all different kinds and birds and fish and all of those things that Yahweh made by his spoken word. And then we have there in chapter 1 verse twenty. 6 through 28, we, we have then, this is the end of his create, creative work, verse 26, and Yahweh said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds and the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing. And so Yahweh created man in his own image. In the image of Yahweh, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I wanted to read that last verse that's sometimes left out of that account because it's so important. You see what it says? Yahweh created man in his own image. In the image of Yahweh, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know, it's like hitting a nail over and over and over, and sometimes you have to do that to drive it all the way in. It speaks of the creative process of Yahweh in creation. He made uh, man in chapter 2, verse 7, says that he formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Man was and man is the crowning achievement, I think, in Yahweh's creation, made in his image, made, in, made according to his likeness, Created, by the way, not evolved. I think when we started, this is free this morning. I think when we started teaching evolution in school, that began the downward slide that we find ourselves in today because we, we said in talking about how we've evolved from whatever tadpole crawled out of some swamp in South Florida somewhere what that says is it says the first ten words of the Bible are not true, and if the first ten are not true, then how can I believe that any of the rest of it is true? Does that make sense? I mean, we have to believe that Yahweh is our creator. You see it, by the way, and, and I didn't see it for a long time, but the more I study in the Old Testament, the more I see over and over and over references to Yahweh as a creator. I mean, it's just full of those references. You can't read hardly a chapter in the Old Testament without it talking about Yahweh as our creator, and there's an important reason for that. We need to see him that way as our creator. We've come a long way in science today. About 40 years ago, we, we 
I didn't have any part to do with it, but somebody cloned a sheep. Anybody remember Dolly the sheep? We cloned a sheep, Dolly, remember? It was a big deal, wasn't it? Boy, they thought they had done something. They cloned Dolly, and they cloned Dolly several times, by the way. Um, and, and science has evolved to a point where we can do a lot of things like that. Much of the produce that you buy in a grocery store are probably GMOs. You know, these are genetically modified uh, plants that, that we've bred certain traits into or certain traits out of. And, and so science has evolved in that direction. And even here around us in this neighborhood and in this community, we see it pretty near every day. There used to be a time if you were a cattle farmer, you turned a bull out with the cows and that was it. That was the end of it. Nowadays, we've evolved to the point where we're selective breeding for this and for that, and we're harvesting eggs from this cow and putting them into a cheap cow and, you know, and see all of this stuff that we've done. But let me tell you something, in all of those things that we've done through science, what we've not done is created anything. If you want to impress me, make Dolly out of nothing, you know? Make her out of nothing, you know, make, make a cow out of nothing if you want to impress me. We have done some things, but what we have not done is created. There is only one who is, has the power to create. Revelation 4 and 11 says, You are worthy, O Yahweh, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Did you get that? You only, Yahweh, should be the one to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. Okay. Let's go back to our text in 130, Psalm 139. We'll park there for just a few minutes. And Speaking of Yahweh as creator again, for you formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. I love these verses, because there are hundreds of verses that speak about creation, but I'm not sure that there are any that are more intimate or more meaningful or more factually important, if that's what you want to call them, than these few words. Genesis 2-7 again told us that Yahweh formed us from the dust and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And, and, and now these verses from Psalm 39, in my opinion anyway, sort of expound on that idea. They expound on our, that idea. Um, our existence was a great work of Yahweh. It was a work of Yahweh. He spoke into existence the plants and animals and the stars and the seas and the fish and the birds. But for us, he sort of, and I, I've used this analogy. It's maybe not the best analogy, but I'll use it anyway. I said when Yahweh made us, he got his hands dirty. And, and it says that he formed us from the dust of the earth and that he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. 
our creation was a work of was a work of Yahweh. This here in Psalms one thirty nine, it speaks of that work. You formed me, he says. You covered me. I was skillfully wrought. My days are fashioned. All of those things speak of work. Okay, and if you're here this morning and hear my voice. Let me tell you this truth today. Your existence is a great work of Yahweh. It's a great work. If you, if you hear this morning, say here. Everybody's... All right, okay. So, and if you hear this morning, you're hearing this message, say, I'm a great work. Okay? See, and you are. And you are. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not the product of, of, of some whatever is going on in the world what you are is the product of Yahweh's sovereign work you didn't have a thing to do with coming into this world did you I didn't and neither did you you but you were formed you were covered you were skillfully wrought you were and you are a great work your existence by the way is Yahweh's great gift to you and it is isn't it This life's not perfect, it's not even always pleasant, but I dare say that most of us would agree with this statement when I say your existence is Yahweh's great gift to you. It is His great gift to you, but I also want to share this truth with you today, that your response to that is your great gift to Him. It's your great gift to Him. I love this verse 14, notice what He says there, after saying, you formed me and you covered me in my mother's womb, he said, I will praise you. Did you get that? Don't miss it. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Charles Spurgeon said of this verse, he said, we cannot too soon begin to bless our creator who began so soon to bless us. Did you get that? We cannot too soon begin to bless our great creator who began so soon to bless us. Okay. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn forward about one page or two in your Bible to Psalm 145. Psalm 145 verse 1 says, I will extol you, my Elohim, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I'll bless you and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. It says this should be our response to him for the gift of our life and the gift of another day today. um, We praise him because it is by his work that we exist. Back to that Psalm 139, I said this speaks of a great work, it does, and, and And it also tells us who does this great work for you formed me and you covered me and I will praise you. Marvelous are your works, he says, over and over and over. We praise Yahweh because it is by his work that we exist. That we exist. It's very interesting to me, by the way, to consider the fact that He was working on our lives even before we were born. Even before we were born. Verse 16, there, that's exactly what that verse says. It says, your eyes 
saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Yahweh said to Jeremiah, if you'll remember, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I formed you, I knew you, I set you apart, I ordained you, he says. Can I tell you this morning that Yahweh doesn't make any mistakes in his creation? Does he? We were all created on purpose, I think, and I think we were created with a purpose. Had an opportunity to participate in um, pre-teen summer camp some years ago. Um, and they did an exercise where with the girls, and again, pre-teen young girls, some of you parents would know this and understand this, um, they did a little exercise where they had this mirror and they'd have these girls, well, the girls and the boys both did it, but it was different the way they responded. They would have them to go up and look in that mirror and then they would write something down about what they saw in that mirror. And most of the boys wrote something down pretty cool about themselves, you know. They thought they were pretty hot stuff. But it was amazing to me how many of the young girls wrote negative things. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too dark. I'm too pale. Whatever. You know, they saw negative things instead of positive things. And, and there was a verse that came to my mind when, when I considered that. It's a... It's in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn with me there if you would. And you've heard this before, but I say you're created on purpose and you're created with a purpose as well. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. This should be an encouraging verse to someone. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Yeshua Messiah for good works, which Yahweh has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. That word workmanship literally means a work of art. We're a work of art. And it broke my heart to think that these children saw all of these negative things and they couldn't see the positive. Yahweh doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make mistakes when he created you or when he created me. There's plenty of things about me, by the way, that I'd love to change. But I am what I am because this is the way that he made me. And, and I, I was created on purpose as his workmanship, and I was created just like you with a purpose. And here this says that we're his workmanship created in Yeshua Messiah for good works, which he always prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it's a sobering thought to me when I think of that, and I think that Yahweh knew me and thought of me long before I was ever born, and that he created me on purpose, and he created me with a purpose. I hope I'm doing his purpose in my life. Um, 
It's a sobering thought to me to think that even before I was born that Yahweh knew what my talents would be and he knew what your talents would be and he knew you know, what skills we'd have and what abilities we'd have. He knew what potential we'd have. And this is what we rob in abortions, by the way. We rob the potential of children. He knew all of those things about us before we were born. But the sobering part of that for me is this. If he knew my skills and abilities and potential and all of those things, I also have to believe that he knew my failures and he knew my weaknesses and he knew what a sorry person I could be sometimes. And yet, despite that, he still chose to bless me and he still chose to use me. And that's a sobering thought for me, and I pray that it is for you as well. We were created with purpose. I'm thankful for the gift of life. Every day is, by the way, a gift. And I hope you see that. Every day that you wake up and that your heart works and your lungs work is another gift that you always given to you. We don't know how many we have. None of us are getting out of this thing alive, you know, and we need to be living our lives in such a way that we would honor him and bless him and do his work here on this earth because you never know when our last day is going to be. I'm thankful for the gift of life. All life proceeds from Yahweh. I, I, I want to say this as well. I think that all life is precious to Yahweh. All life is precious to Yahweh. Look there, verses 17 and 18, what this says. It says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O Yahweh. How great is the sum of them. Did you get that? How precious are your thoughts to me. How great is the sum of them. It's not just a few precious thoughts. You know, it's not just a handful. It's not a pat on the back. How precious are your thoughts to me and how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand, he says. We are precious in Yahweh's sight. And I'm thankful that not only... I'm thankful that I'm precious in his sight so much that not only did he give me life, but that he offered me, even more importantly, eternal life. I said every day is a gift. It is. Well, eternal life is a gift as well. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and that's what we deserve, isn't it? It's what we've earned, wages. But then it says, that, but the gift of Yahweh's eternal life through our Master Yeshua Messiah. Boy, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. It's a gift that he gives to us, but a gift is not a gift unless you choose to accept it. You're precious in his sight. Plenty of scripture that would <clears throat> validate life being precious to Yahweh. I want to read just a few don't have much time. I want to read just a few to you. Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 through 5 says, When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, 
What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you would visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and with honor. He says, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verses, <clears throat> verses 6 and 7 are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before Yahweh, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered and do not fear therefore, for you have more value than many sparrows. It says even has the hairs of our heads numbered. It wouldn't be so difficult for some of us. Mine's getting more and more thin on top. Reuben, don't laugh, brother. You're in the same boat. Exodus chapter 21. Turn with me there. Exodus chapter 21. Life is precious to Yahweh, but I want to say to you that, that Yahweh is righteous and Yahweh is just, and there are very often consequences to our actions. Very often consequences. Exodus chapter 21. Several references in here to this same matter. Verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. It says, verse 14, if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Verse 22, if men fight and hurt a woman with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, let no, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as a woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. But if any harm follows, if the child dies or if the woman dies, in other words, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. You see, there's consequences aren't there, to our actions. Yahweh does value life. The Bible says that your, our children, by the way, are a heritage from Yahweh. Someone read that scripture last week, and that's a very interesting passage of scripture, and it's a very interesting word. That word heritage, children are a heritage. It, it talks about children as a... Uh, precious, precious possession. It's something that's passed down. It would be like an heirloom of great value that you, that's passed down to you. And so it speaks of that in children. Um, life is precious. I said earlier that we've lost the value of human life in our cult culture today, and I really truly believe that we have and I don't I don't I mean I'm sure there's plenty of causes for it but it amazes me that um, we're not necessarily shocked anymore by the news and by the things that we hear on TV are we things it doesn't you know it troubles us maybe but it doesn't shock us I remember 20 five years ago or so there was news and this was near our house there was a woman who killed her two children 
she strapped him in a car seat and drove a minivan off in a lake on a boat ramp and drowned her kids. And I remember us thinking, how can this happen? You know, it was so shocking. And it's very seldom that you can even go a week now without hearing of something like that happening. It doesn't shock us that much anymore. 60 million babies doesn't shock us all that any much anymore because we've been so desensitized and we've lost the value of human life. I'll tell you the value of human life, at least as I see it in our country, at least in 2018, it was $573. Isn't that shocking? It was $573. Um, doesn't stop, by the way, with aborting children. Do you see even how this is how this has escalated? You know, there in 1973, there were certain terms on abortion, and those things, those reins have been loosened over the years. Over the years, and three or four years ago, now New York State passed legislation there that said that they could abort children even up to and after the time of normal delivery. Do you remember that on the news? I, 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 I said I'm not shocked much. I was shocked by this because what I remember of that story is I remember all of those lawmakers standing up and applauding and cheering, passing that bill. And if they're so easy, cheer, killing, I'm not going to say it's not even aborting a baby at this point, murdering a baby even after it's been born, where does that stop? Where does that stop? It's a, it's a baby girl and I wanted a boy and, you know, we need we just get rid of this and or it's blue-eyed and I wanted brown-eyed and we're going to get rid of this one or it's got red hair and not blonde hair and we're going to get rid of this one. Don't be fooled into thinking that that's even where it stops because no one's safe. What do we do with grandma because she's losing her mind, you know? What do I do with mama when she falls and breaks her hip and she can't get around, you see? There was a news story a week or so ago where there's a judge, and I don't remember exactly where it was at, but you may remember this. There was a judge who ordered that a young boy be taken off life support because the boy determined that the kid was dead and the life support was of no measure for him against the wishes of his parents. I don't know if, if they actually did it or not, but I know that a judge ruled for that to happen. I'm sure that they were appealing that decision. But do you understand what I'm saying? Where does it stop? Because it's not going to stop with babies. Nobody's safe if this continues. Life proceeds from Yahweh. Life is precious to Yahweh. And lastly, I'll say this to you. I'll say that, well, what's in it for us? preacher what about me and what about you well this is what I want to tell you I want to tell you that we have the responsibility to protect human life we do have the responsibility to protect human life it is amazing to me that trees and birds and minnows and animals of all kinds have legal protection in our country uh, there's 
uh, I'm not going to say a friend, but someone I know back east who um, made the mistake of, I don't think he was necessarily meddling with, but somehow got involved in a sea turtle egg one time some years back. And I mean, they were going to throw him in prison for that. He wasn't digging up a sea turtle nest and poaching their eggs, but maybe he found one or a baby turtle he caught or did something. You know, bald eagles are protected. Even buzzards are a protected species. It's true. You better not kill one of those and post it on Facebook because somebody will come and find you. All of these things, and by the way, um, some of the stuff just seems so ridiculous to us. And it's, you know, it's our tax dollars hard at work, isn't it? By the way, if our tax do dollars were being used to kill a million puppies every year, it'd be a different story. Wouldn't it? Do you think I'm wrong? Post that all over Facebook, and, you'll, and this is what you'll find. You'll find, you know, and I hate even using the terms conservatives and liberals, but I promise you, you'll find many of the people now who are screaming about women's rights being taken away from them would burn the government down over a pile of puppies if we were killing. You understand? It seems funny, but it's not. It's absolutely true. And yet our most innocent and most vulnerable potential citizens of this country are at risk. And again, like I've already said, in what should be the safest environment for them. And what's our duty and what's our response? Well, here's what I think and, and what I know. I think that... <clears throat> I think that for many people at least have sat on the sidelines and they've watched as the whole world just falls around, falls apart around them, um, don't make a stand, going to be quiet. By the way, our churches and our assemblies have been guilty of this. I'm not going to say this one necessarily, but I'm talking painting with a broad brush, oh, we don't want to rock the boat, and we don't want to stir up trouble, and we don't want to do this, and we don't want to do that. We're just going to sit here on the side and, you know, watch and see what happens. Well, how'd that work out for us? It didn't work out very good, did it? People sit on the sidelines and watch. Don't be that person. What can you do? I think it's your duty to protect human life. Don't be that one who stands and, and watches. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says this, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge, uh, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Open your mouth. And plead the cause. And I don't know, I can't tell you exactly what you can do, but here's, I want to do, I want to give you at least a couple of points. 
First of all, I want you to understand again what a divisive issue this is. And while it seems to us that there's clear-cut solutions and answers, many of those what seem so clear-cut to us are not going to be acceptable to those around us. That doesn't mean we compromise. Don't compromise. Speak the truth, but listen to this. Speak the truth with love. Speak the truth with love. Screaming and, you know, pitching a fit and none of that stuff helps. Speak the truth in love. Have compassion. Never quit, you know. I mean, there's so many things that, that we can do, but we need to be a voice for those who have no voice. And it starts, by the way, with you, and it starts with me. And if we're not out there pleading the case for these who have no voice, then who will be? Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Can I tell you, it starts with you and it starts with me. The great problem with that verse of scripture is the very first word, if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's Yahweh's promise to us. I promise you this, if we do our part, he's always faithful to do his. He's always faithful to do his. You and I are here today, here this morning, because someone chose life when we were born. Be a voice for those who don't have one today. Yahweh bless you all.